example, she's like, you know, just talking about how, look, you know, writers, every writer that I know got a bunch of stuff going on. So I'm not trying yeah. to hear you say this or say that uh, or, you know, you, you just got to get the work done. Right. And that yeah. that work not only applies to writing, but it applies to reading. It's like, you know, everybody got something going on. If you claim you want to do this work, you know, you do the work. It ain't, yeah. you know, if you say, I'm going to come to you and say, man, I got this and that and the third going on. You're going to reply to yeah. me, like, yo, I got that, this, the third, the fourth, the fifth going on. And I still read in, I wrote. So so what are yeah. you saying? And I'm going to be like, yeah. Tony was like, she ain't trying here. No excuses, man. I was mm-hmm. like, Ooh, you know, and that you hear that you you see that a lot with like the type of writers that I enjoy. Um, you know, they, I mean, everybody got something going on. With Tony was getting up at what, four or five in the morning, writing uh, two hours. Robert Jones Jr. said he was up at the rich at the witching hour, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know, folks, I've read people talking about writing down on napkins. You know, get, getting it in. Which that is amazing in itself to me, like, cause I I lose that type of stuff. Like, I need everything, like, yeah. in one place. So the best I have now is the notes on the phone. Yeah. Uh, is the best I can do in terms of bringing it around. But yeah, it was. Um, I don't think you're gonna have any difficulty reading. I think, if anything, it's uh, the the subject matter and the uh, the rawness uh is is what i think is is gonna be the most um poignant thing as you read this sucker. <laughs> right right yeah and and amani perry saying i, I knew it was gonna be my bag when amani perry's like the novel has a lack of sentimentality because that that's my bag right now right my bag is just kind of tell me what's going on you don't gotta like you know, uh, I don't want to say exaggerated, but maybe that is the word. You don't have yeah. to like really get super duper descriptive, telling me how everybody feels. You can kind of do like Colson did in Nickel Boys, just hey, this tragic thing happened. Boom, we moving forward. You know, the the plot goes yeah. on. Um, so yeah. I I think uh, I'll say this and and move on, but I think Baldwin. I was telling somebody when I do write my reflection, I want to challenge myself to be able to put it all in a sentence like Baldwin did on the back of uh, uh, in the blurb. Uh, Corregidor is the most brutal, honest and painful revelation of what has occurred and is occurring in the souls of black men and women. Right. Because, you know, mm-hmm. everything that I've read, I thought, um, you know, centered, uh, the, the female. Uh, and and femme, right? Like the the, the woman in energy, and um, but I, I was wondering why did he mention that? Because I don't think anybody else on the blurb really kind of puts you know men in there too, right? But yeah, yeah. it's in there. Like yeah. it's it's it shows a, a a a couple of relationships that are just very raw and very realistic and reminiscent of people that I know. Uh, you know, uh, which, yeah, you need that, need that, need that real. Yeah. You gotta have that real. And if you, and if you want to find that real, read Gail Jones. And it looks like we are recording and talking and yes, uh, yes, 
Yeah, and and uh, I'm I'm Reggie Bailey. Killing Missouri. And um, when we get together, we are what what some folk like to call books are pop culture. Uh, welcome. Yeah, yeah. Hey, welcome. <laughs> you know, y'all y'all think it's just books, but it's a party. It's a little bit of everything. It's a yeah. We call it a show. You know, it might be a podcast, might be an IG live, might be a party. Who knows? Hey. hey. Totally, dude. Maybe we want to become Chuck Berry, man. Man, those were beautiful times. That was a really weird time to be in the club. I mean, you just <laughs> stopped snapping your fingers and doing your step, and all of a sudden, we were all black rock stars. <laughs> yeah. And, and what, that's... Dang, when did that song come out? Probably like 07, 08 or something like that? I don't that? know, because you, you got Gucci and them, too. Like, I'm a dog, I'm a dog, I'm a... Like, those were... It was a time to yeah. be an African-American uh, center <laughs> for dance uh, in the in the late evening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Googling this song. Damn, this song came out. I want you to guess the year. Like, don't Google it. Don't cheat. Okay. You said. So, I, I, I want. What is it? We're in 21 now? We are in 2021 right now. Um, so this was at the ending. This was at the tail end of my club, of my club again. So, I'm thinking. Shucky's, a, Shucky's 11. I'm thinking. Well, he's 10, but the years. I'm thinking 08, 09? 07. It says... 07. This, this right here, I'm looking at it, Party Like a Rockstar by Shop Boy. So let me tell you another secret. If you would have said, Reggie, you get three guesses for your life on <laughs> the name of the artist who created the song, I would have lost my life, brother. You would have lost. Oh man, my boys. Like, like I know, I know the song, but I did not remember the group to save my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, if you gave me three tries with the with the year, I would have got it. Uh, I think I would have said Shop Boys, but I don't. I mean, you know, because life is on the line. Maybe I'm sweating a little bit, but you know, I, I was also rapping at the time, so I was aware of. <laughs> Like everyone who also had mics, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, man. Uh, you better than me. You know, I would have said, Can I phone a friend? And I think yeah, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Um yeah. and uh as we move forward, we'd love to tell you that uh Sundays we are we are typically live, four PM EST, three PM Mississippi. Um, but today, which is actually a Sunday and we're recording, we actually will not be live. We're actually going to go on tomorrow, um, at what I'm thinking, probably 7 PM Eastern, 6 PM Mississippi, um, to, to actually celebrate what we're calling one year of consistency, despite the fact that we have not officially been books, pop culture, uh, for a year yet. We have been doing this show for a year. And uh, it's gonna be fun. Yes. We're gonna talk about tomorrow a little light IG live, uh, like we typically do. Well, 
we don't typically do light ones per se, but tomorrow will be more light because it's going to be a celebration. Um, y'all make sure to work, come work. in. Make sure you're following Books Are Pop Culture on Instagram. Um, yes. What else should I mention here? Um, mention that, yes, uh, the, the information for this show that we are recording right now is going to be in the show notes or the bio or whatever it's called in podcast land, um, where you go to see the description of the episode. Beneath that, you'll see the links of the things that we are going to talk about today. So if you want to consult those and then come back and, and listen to the rest, feel free. Or if you want to listen to us and then consult those afterwards, as long as they get consulted, you will have full context if you care for that type of thing. Um, feel free to exercise your right to context. Um, yes, With that said, I think we can mention um, the, the forthcoming uh, Reba BAPC picks, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do that. So, um, the first thing I'll say, uh, these are presented to you by the Books of Pop Culture Bookshop, the link of which will not only be in the show notes, but it will also be said right here. That is www.bookshop.org slash shop slash books are pop culture. Um, mm -hmm. and the book that we will be discussing, and once again, these books are discussed on IG Live. On Sundays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Mississippi. The first one is, or the one that's coming nearest to us, is Oreo by Fran Ross. Uh, this is a classic from 1974 that we will be discussing on October 24th, 2021. Um, after that, we are going to do what we do best, some may say, which is dissect the work of Ann Petrie uh, with wow. Muriel and other stories. We will be breaking down this short story collection on IG Live on November 21st, 2021. You don't want to miss it. No, you do not. And then, um, you know, we are kind, spirited individuals here at Books of Pop Culture, so during the month of December, we're going to let you wind your year down with a celebration. You know, although your celebration should include reading, we're not going to make it a <laughs> uh, uh What is it? A BAPC mandated read. Uh, what we'll do is give you the month of December to kind of do what you want. And then uh, we're going to come back in January, though, with a hard hitter. Okay. January, we coming back with 790 pages worth of Yes, yes. Days which is uh, the love song, the W.B. Du Bois, by the Honoré Benon Jeffers. Um, so y'all make sure to get all your copies of the books mentioned, which once again, Oreo by Karen Ross, Miss Muriel and Other Stories by Ann Petrie, the love songs of W.B. Du Bois by Honoré Benon Jeffers. Uh, get those books through the Books of Pop Culture Bookshop www.bookshop.org slash shop slash book of pop culture. Get those books and any other book that you have on your mind through there. Yes. Uh, now, um, Tilly Missouri, we, uh, we tell people, although I'm not sure I believe it all the time, we tell people that we are more than books. Um, yes. We do that by at least sharing one thing every show that we have, uh, you know, that's interesting us, that is beyond the realm of books uh so what uh what might you have this week for the people 
Let me see here. I'm pulling it up right now. So, like I was telling you before we got on, um, I did not go to sleep last night. I was watching this uh, show on Netflix called Blood and Water, shot in um, shot in South Africa, Cape Town, I believe. Um, and after crossing paths at a party at Cape Town, a Cape Town teen sets out to prove whether a private school swimming star is her sister who was abducted at birth. And my God, what a ride. Yeah. So at, um, at, so 17 years ago, her mom and dad had a daughter who gets abducted. It looks like, uh, from the hospital, right? And then they have the the daughter who is uh, the main star. I think Poulang, Poulang, uh, and uh, the other daughter that was abducted is uh, Pume, uh, Pumela, Pumela uh, Kumala um, is the name. But yeah, did you watch All American on Netflix? So I did not watch All American. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm yeah. no stranger to Netflix, but I haven't gotten around to that as of yet. Hey, it's it's reminiscent of that, but I feel like it got a little bit more. I don't know. I'm always interested in how like different countries and um, different countries and different like um, I guess ethnicities is what I'm looking for do TV. Uh, yeah. So it's reminiscent of um, of All American, but. And deeper, right? Because you know they they have a um, well, I think at this point, unfortunately, lots of places in the world have a history of abduction. Um, but it put me in the mind of the Bring Back Our Girls um, movement in Nigeria, I want to say, and you know, in other countries in Africa too, um, and how you know people are like working to pick up pieces after that, right, with lives, and how sometimes we are involved. Right. We are complicit and involved in that. Um, but man, good show. Gripping show. I've been watching the hell out of it. I think it got two seasons. Um, uh, 80% on Rotten Tomatoes for what's, what's that's, what that's worth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I've been watching. That's what I've been watching, man. What about what you got? Um, So I got um yesterday, actually. Kathia and I went to Topgolf. Um, mm. but- is that do y'all have that down? I'm not sure like where it's at, I guess, throughout the country. Is that down in Mississippi? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I think so. I think yeah. it is around in some places here. Uh, yeah. but I think when I've seen it, I think because it's hold up, is that the one where y'all just like out there swinging? Like living your ba- basically what I compare <laughs> it to is like if golfing were a bowling alley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what it is to me, right? Because literally you, you, you buy a bay by the hour and then you uh and, and of course depending on the time of day in which you go, it costs more or less. Um mm-hmm. early yesterday because you know, I kinda booked it a little late during the week and you know, we ain't we ain't know it was gonna be people like, you know, it was gonna be booked all crazy, so we ended up having to get up early and kinda go. Um, but you know, um get up there. We, uh, you know, they introduce us to like how the game work and the sticks and all that and let you know, like, oh, if you're left handed, you shoot over on this tee, if you're right handed, shoot on that tee. 
Um, and then basically you just try to hit it into like these different like holes that they got set up. Um, it was her second time going, it was my first. Um, and of course I was terrible, but, uh, that was was actually like, I played putt-putt golf plenty in my life, but that was the first time I actually like swing like, for real, like trying to uh, hit a yeah. golf ball far in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, for those who think it's easy, hmm. um, I'm, I'm here to let you know, if you hadn't picked up a stick before and you think you can just go there and you Tiger Woods, you got another thing coming. It's, it's yeah, just, you know, you know? Um, usually with sports, usually with sports, you have to, like, work. To, to become good at it, and um, mm. golf seems like one of those. Although I did feel a little embarrassed because I was looking over at the bag across from us, there was a bunch of kids over there, and it was some kids who was hitting that thing further than I could. Letting that thing like, go, yo, and it was like they weren't even trying; they was just over there, just like playing around with it and just knocking that thing like down the <laughs> field, like to the to some of the furthest holes, and I'm like. <laughs> So yeah, I got to like, them, and it still won't do nothing for me. But it's all good. It was fun, man. Yeah, the I just looked the closest one. That's why I was looking like eh, the closest one to me is in Baton Rouge. Oh, okay. uh, is what yeah. it appears because uh, I was like, I know I seen it, but I usually see it on Mississippi people's like IG story when they're out of town. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, I think when I did it, I might have been out of town, but I hadn't actually been to Top Golf. Uh, I think I probably played something, played something more similar to putt putt golf um, when we went out to Gulf Shore. So yeah, 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 I got to get out there, man, and get my swing on, because uh, uh, we all know my last name is Woods, and so maybe I won't be out there swinging like Tiger Forest, or uh, you know, I'll be closer to. You know, Tiger Woods. Who knows, though? You know, because I, when you said that, I was thinking, like, what side would I swing on as a left-handed man? Right? (laughs) Yeah. So when I was in like baseball, is that what it is? Yeah, you would. You would be exactly. You'd be doing the left-handed swing like baseball. And excuse me, what they have up there, they have at every bay they have two tees, like kind of placing the ground, and you would be on. This one, yeah, this mm-hmm. one, yeah. yeah, and you would be like, yeah, 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 because nah, be, you, you should definitely give it a shot just because, like, whether it's you <laughs> and the missus and Shucky, whether yeah. it's you and like your, your bros or something like that, I think y'all would, uh, however you do it, I know you would have it up in there, yeah. So, yeah, man, you know, because I'm fully left-handed. I always say, like, I always say that because, you know, a lot of left-handed people do other things with other, with the right hand. I am even also left-footed. Um, at, at kickball games, kickball, I yeah. kick with my left foot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And the, it's interesting you're fully left-handed because I'm not technically fully right-handed because the literally the only thing, and I don't, I don't even know how this correlates, the only thing that I do with my left hand in life that I can recall right now is play pool. Mm. I pool left-handed. I don't even understand 
I literally don't understand how that happened, <laughs> but it is what it is. That's the only. That's interesting. Because I've I've tried to shoot pool right handed, and yeah. it's it's bad. And I'm not even that good left handed, but I'm like super, like embarrassingly bad right handed. <laughs> um, that's funny. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. But uh, calm, calm. next thing we got going here is the process. This is a segment where we share something exciting about our bookish life, something we are reading or have read, recently bought, writing, creating, building, developing, etc. Um, so yes. I, I come back to you again on this, sir. Uh, what uh, what from the process would you like to share with them folks this week? We mentioned it a little bit in, in when we came in, but Corridor by Gail Jones. Corridor. Yes. Uh, I was saying, uh, well, first of all, it's everything that people say about it. It is a earthquake. Um, but, yeah, I finished it in, uh, in a long night of alternating between that and 2K22. Um, and, uh, knock that sucker on out. And then, um, I got that. It was amazing. I got to do a reflection on it. Um, and what else I got here? This. I've been in this. Like, man, Crosby. I mean, Cosby is, is, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering, because the stuff he has, the research to create these dark, grim novels uh, has got to be fun and interesting. It's It's been a good ride. Uh, let's see what else. I, oh, did you see the... the man, I don't want to say bad news, but I also have been tasked with finally going in this. I put it in my story. Yeah. One of Other Sons, I put it up against in my stories. I was like... Since I just finished Honoré's book, I want to like keep a big book in rotation. Smart. And uh, mm-hmm. I put these two up against each other. I was hoping Black Reconstruction won, but the people want me to read one. So right. Here, here and, I am. You know. And Black Black Reconstruction, in case um, you're you're not seeing this, that's by W. E. B. Du Bois. Just yes. In case you maybe didn't know. Um. So, wow, that is, for one, let me say, that's a hell of a battle. I would uh, I would be curious to know if, let's say, the audience only included those who had read both of those. I'd be curious what direction they would have guided you to. Because, you know, when you when you take to your story, people are going to choose whatever sounds more interesting or maybe the one that they've mm-hmm. read, right? The one that they've read and enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I'll be curious if it was only including members who had read both. Would they tell you? I feel like they would probably tell you to just start with WB Du Bois and, and yeah. like, you know, read that because it kind of sets the, the trend, if you will, for how you know future books um, about a certain part of the black community or a certain thing in the black community are written. Um, yeah. I, I'd be curious to see that. That, um, so most of the people who actually had read both slid in my DMs and said that they would prefer that I read W.E.B. Uh, so it is interesting. They said, 
They get it. And they literally said what you said. They were like, they think that the, the data was skewed because warmth was such a popular book recently that most people are like, you know, like still, because they weren't saying, they were like, you know, hey, it's a good book, right? But, and even though they said W.E.B. was the drier read, um, you know, it probably would be the one that they would say for the first one. Right. Ah, man, you know, sometimes you just get it right, man. Sometimes you get Sometimes, it right. man. <laughs> sometimes you yes, get it. Yes, yes. But I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited that Corrigidora, Corrigidora, or Corrigidora. You know, I am excited that that was a um, that that was a tremendous read and experience for you. Um, yes. I, and I'm also excited about your journey that we thought would never happen uh, with the warmth of other suns on the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I um, did another one for fiction. It was uh, a, hist- a a brief history of seven killings versus um, that's by Marlon James versus uh, Margaret Walker's Jubilee. But I think I'm going to interject and do <laughs> Palmares by Gail Jones. Now that I've read Corregidora, um, you know, it's the least I can do since they have me reading warmth again. Nothing against warmth. If you are familiar with the show, we just have a running joke. With the warmth of other suns. <laughs> yeah, that it's it's the book we will never read. Although we'll never, yeah. I don't I don't believe that uh I don't believe that's gonna be a thing we're allowed to get away with for, for too much longer. Yes, uh, yes. So I guess uh I guess it's on me, huh? So uh I'm going to share my Monticello. Um yeah. Started this collection um, of of stories. So, really, what it is is it's a novella in stories. Uh, let me just do a quick count here because I want to say it's like seven entries in the book. One, two, three, four, actually six. So it's five stories and then a one hundred and forty plus page novella, right? Mm. Which is which is why you know when you look at the cover. My Monticello has fiction written on there as opposed to stories, because yeah. technically, right? And, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this here again because I googled this recently. I don't, are you are you familiar with like all the different terms of stories? Like for example, novel, novella, no novelette, and all that, right? So, yeah, yeah, loosely, loosely. Let me see if I can find a little link here that'll let you know, like, what the words, the word, because it's all about word count, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A short story is, it says here, I'm looking on a website called wordcounttool.com. It mm-hmm. says a short story is between 3,500 and 7,500 words. Yeah. It says a novelette is between 7,500 and 17,000 words. It says that a novella is between 17,000 and 40,000 words, and a novel is greater than 40,000 words. Yeah. This intrigues me because I'm wondering if the short story collections that we read are more so like, collections of novelettes because it to me a lot of the stories that i come across 
are between that seven seventy five hundred and seventeen thousand word space. Um, And and of course, there are the I believe that I, I know for sure that I've read short stories that are between 3,500 and 7,500 words. And we for sure have read stories which are called flash fiction, which I believe would be beneath 3,500, yeah. I, I guess. That's yeah, it's I'm beneath. Yeah. yeah, it's beneath. Um, But yeah, man, that's uh, I just think that's kind of interesting what uh, the work that Jocelyn Nicole Johnson's doing with my Monticello, even on the cover calling it fiction as opposed to stories or uh, novella and stories or whatever uh, most most other authors do. But there's a story in there that opens the collection called Control Negro that is uh, quite uh, quite fascinating and, and I think we, we we may make room for it here on the on the pod eventually too because it's it's a story that's actually like on the web. Um, yeah. So, you know, I definitely recommend people give that a read um, if they can. Uh, just search "Control Negro" by uh, Jocelyn Nicole Johnson on Google. Give that a read, and um, and and when you uh, when you get the chance, you you'll read that, and then you'll probably be you'll probably feel inclined rather to give my Monticello a chance too. So that's uh, that's yes. my process for the week. But yeah, I'll... go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say I was thinking about the same thing with uh Gwendolyn uh Brooks's uh blacks. Uh Maud Moth Maud Martha is in here. Uh oh, and yeah? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh the the uh incomparable Philip B. Williams uh told me that. And so I need to move this up. Uh, but yeah, collection of works and Maud Martha is in here as well. Um because he was telling me I needed to read that. Uh, yeah. and I think he was like comparing it to something one time and I was like, Oh, I need to go get that. He was like, it's in blacks. It's in there. I was like, I did not know it was in there. <laughs> yeah, man. I didn't know that either. That's actually really cool to know. So that's like, yeah, yeah. that's basically a bunch of poetry in there and that novel. And that novel is in there and it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bunch of poetry and that novel is in there. Who would have thought? Well, okay. Shout out to Philip B. Williams in that very sharp knife. That I'm very sure. sharp knife. Yes. <laughs> very sharp knife. So what what I will what I also want to do, man, um, you know, in the process, because you're 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 a humble guy and I respect that. But I think in the process we should mention that you do have a dope event coming up that I think people should know about um um i'll 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 say that but what what will you say about it are you referring to the tamika d mallory event none other than oh yes well so tamika (laughs) is at she is in del rio currently so we are looking to move it again let's see she's down at del rio assisting with uh what's going on with the the haitian folk down there at the border which is crazy um let's see i wanted to make sure before i said it uh yeah they, they hadn't hit me back quite yet but we're looking to do uh tentatively the 12th of october um but i'm getting i'm actually getting more excited because uh i think i was telling you this off the air but 
it gives me more time to recon and also like alter kind of the way I was headed into it. Um, which you never know, um, you know, what the universe is kind of telling you through something like that, you know? So two things I was thinking when I had to, uh, you know, move this was first of all, it's dope that the work that she's talking about in the book can be seen in real time. Cause I'm literally like watching her on live be down there and actually, uh, giving and doing work. Um, but also that I'm learning more about like what, what type of person, you know, is behind those pages that I'm going to be interviewing. Um, cause she's, uh, she's interesting. She's, <laughs> she's a firecracker, man. Uh, and, 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 uh, necessarily so, uh, if you've watched yeah. any of her recent lives while she was down there, she, she in the thick of it, but yeah, yeah. so I'm excited. We, we tentatively right now, I got it down for 12, uh, just waiting on her folks who were literally, that's, that's other crazy thing. So I'm watching the live, right? I'm like, I should probably double check and make sure, you know, because I knew she was going down there when I when it first kind of surfaced on the internet. I was like, yeah, she's going to go down there. Um, and the the folks, the other folks who I'm in contact with were actually helping get things off of the truck as I'm watching the live. So yeah. they down there too. So yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting on that to confirm, uh, to get locked in, but I'm excited, man. So I got that and, uh, got some other things coming in october uh that i'm waiting on getting stamped uh but yeah it's gonna be an exciting month next month for sure for sure and y'all just you know stay tuned i i just you know as as this process segment was winding down i just couldn't uh couldn't let that go unspoken you know we gotta word, word. You know, make sure you know people know work is work is always being done it's either you're gonna do the work or the work is gonna do you unfortunately so you know, yes, yes. To stay on the winning side of that battle. Word, word. Uh, with with that said, we will now go to books of pop cultural commentary a segment where we provide commentary on select topics through our unique and specific lens. Uh, so in this instance, um, I guess we have kind of one piece of that per se. Because uh, we're actually doing something new here, and we are actually discussing a short story, uh, that of which is Dr. Sandman by the brilliant, the, the yes. incomparable, the award-winning uh, Deesha <laughs> Filyaw. Um, yes. Deesha Filyaw, for those who don't know, is the multiple, what, the the, the Penn Faulkner award-winning, the... the uh, I forget what is it, the Art Sindenbaum Award winning uh, from the LA Times, the uh, yeah, the Story yeah. Prize winning uh, author of The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, the the first read with uh, books of pop culture pick from October. That's what I was just thinking too, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, shout out to friend of the show, D. Shafil, y'all, because, um, you know, spoiler alert. She did it again because Doctor Sandman <laughs> is is a very dope read. Um, something that that I'm very excited to uh, to speak with Achilles and, and you all about now. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, um, in terms of us talking about like length uh, and word count, it's it's really concise too. Like it's a it's like a 
the perfect size. And Tony K. Bambara talked about that in terms of the art of short story writing. I believe Tony K. Bambara said six or seven pages to get the job done. Anything past that, she didn't want to try and go into, right? Um, when she was thinking about uh, Gorilla My Love. And I was just like, wow, like to to learn that, that to craft out that work um, with, with such a, you know, like if it's longer than that, because she said a lot of times when it got longer than that, it was turning into like her trying to do a novel, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, the characters had to be fully fleshed out, the storylines, et cetera, et cetera. And so she knew it wouldn't work, right? Which I'm, that's what makes me interested in reading. Uh, I think the Seabirds are alive. Uh, yeah. Tony's latter uh, short story collection that doesn't get as much critical praise, but may be the more complex work uh, because it deals a lot with like uh, international realities of women, um, you know, because she was like one of those uh, global uh, activist types, right? Uh, and so I'm a little interested to read that and see if she was doing the same thing. But yeah, back to uh, you know, I, I just I just thought about that because it's like perfect size, like when you're when you're reading it, it's just right, right. And and you know, one thing that that I want to add on to that too. Um, it, it's a little. I'm deviating a little bit from Tony K. Bambara, but it made me think mm -hmm. earlier about talking about Control Negro. Um, one thing about a lot of these authors in these short story collections is their short stories are available online, like usually sometimes years before the book comes out, right? So, um, Disha Filial, like there have she's done like plenty of interviews and lives since Church Ladies have came out. And, you know, we've I've seen her say, like, oh, I'm working on a novel, right, a satirical novel, then kind of say, you know what, I was thinking about it, I might go to stories again, right? So I'm wondering if she does decide to go stories again, right, is this going to be included? And I think people would have a blast with this because it, it does, and it's almost like it's almost like the secret lives of church men in a way, too. Considering this mm -hmm. is a a although he's not a uh, churchgoer that I don't think that we ever even get a chance to glean that in this story. Um, he's probably is, going after. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about the look of Jesus. Huh? <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> Yo, my man. My man Reg, and and that's another interesting thing with this story, right? Me and this mm -hmm. this Doctor Sandman, we share the same first name. We share a nickname, you know. He's he's Reginald. So am I. He gets called Reg yeah. by some folks. So do I. He even yeah. shares a a. He doesn't share a last name with me, but he does share a initial with me. Yeah, he is. Dr. Reginald Braxton, you know, Dr. and I'm just, Braxton. I'm just Reginald Daly, you know, no doctor. Hey. Not Can yet. You, why, no. why put off the inevitable? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I feel like the only way I'm going to get a doctor is if, you know, maybe one day, you know, somebody feels that I'm so special. They may be like, you know what? We're going to give him one of those honorary degrees. We're going to give him an yes. honorary PhD, you know, so maybe, yes. or if someone listens to this, decides, you know what? He sounds kind of brilliant. I'm going to sponsor his PhD. Yeah. Then, uh, then from there, I, I think I would get it, man. But uh, yeah. 
how before we get into like meats and potatoes, right? How what what's like a brief synopsis you think you would say to 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 someone about Dr. Sandman? So you have uh Dr. Reginald Braxton, uh, who is, I believe, I wanna say, and you correct me if the if the term comes out uh more explicitly, but a uh maybe child psychologist yeah. or therapist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Um, he works in the social sciences. There we go. Well, um, and so, and uh, you know, he uh, realizes that he has the ability to enter into folks's uh, dreams. And, and when I say folks is specifically, according to Dr. Reginald Braxton, children's dreams, specifically not everyone's dreams. Um, but, um, during that process, uh, he, he is there and does not necessarily alert said children, um, to his presence. And then he ends up, uh, doing this and learning some information that, uh, ultimately, um, is, uh, earth shattering for, uh, Dr. Ridge. (laughs) Man, uh, you, you know, although um dr dr reg b was not always a card carrying member he eventually becomes a card carrying member and and do hair uh of the faithful black men association or the fbma for those who are uh unfamiliar or, or or no actually that's for those who are familiar those who are in mm-hmm. the fbma um he becomes a car carrying member and uh you know sometimes just because you're a car carrying member of the fbma doesn't mean that you know your partner is a car carrying member of their you know yeah, uh, faithful, of their faithful organization of their faithful organization um mm-hmm. You know, so so you know, I, I drew up a couple questions here, right? You know, we, mm-hmm. we may go through them all, we may not, but um, I, th- I think uh, I think I'm gonna start off by asking this here, um, because okay. because he does, he's he's married to Ashley, his his lovely wife, his lovely wife who is successful in the world of finance. Um, she she's doing amazing work, moving up in the world. Um, but one thing about her is. She is, she is kind of like living her parents' dream in a way. Still, mm-hmm. she is almost married because she feels like, like it, it, you would, you would, you would think that she is married because this is what she's supposed to do, right? She is married to this, you know, doctor, this successful man, because you know, coming from her background, you know, which was, you know well off right this is what you're supposed to do um so the the question that i have to lead us into this story is when do you get the chance to actually grow into yourself and who you want to be in disregard who your parents actually want you to be well first of all um I'd like to say, hey, if you are watching this in YouTube land, I am not not listening as a card carrying member of the uh, FBA. I was texting my wife that I love her um, as as the show was rolling just to let her know, you know, that's how we roll. 
Um, but um, also, hey man, I don't know if you uh, had seen it because uh, we didn't publish it as like, like like we usually do. But I was also looking at a message that we may have um, Marlon uh, Marlon on for um, Bird on Cage with the Real Dads Network. Uh, oh, yeah, so nice. I can send you. I can send you the linkage for that. Um, <laughs> On on the 29th. Um, yeah, I'm I just yeah, yeah, that's gonna yeah. be awesome. Um, yeah, I was on the abolitionist kick, and so I'm I gotta reevaluate these questions. But anyway, um, thinking about uh your question about that, I think um what's the what's the wife's name again, right quick? Ashley. Got it over here. Ashley. I think Ashley is in Ashley maybe put herself in a in a difficult situation because i think uh for all of us we kind of grow up in we kind of grow up in our parents shadow or our parents might be living like vicariously through us um and we may also have that yearning to fulfill their promises right um for, or fulfill like their unfulfilled promises maybe in some instances um but i think the age where you should or the age range, I guess, where you should probably start being able to kind of live for yourself uh, kind of starts at 18 to probably 25, right? Like, um, you know, you, you check the boxes. Uh, if, if you agree with those boxes, right? Because I think there always has to be some push and pull, right? Yeah. In, in a healthy uh, growing teenager and a healthy, uh, you know, growing they should really come up with like a new name for people from age 18 to 25. Do they have like a different name? Like, like, you know, growing dumbass or. Uh, <laughs> 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 he, he who, he who can purchase alcohol legally, um, you know, like that's something to encapsulate 18 to 25. Yeah, but I think I in that range, you know, life hands you enough life right to where yeah. you're like you know I, I need to be out here living for me but i think this story shows us that everyone doesn't necessarily you know begin to do that or and i think i, I would also charge so after after you kind of respond to that question i would also throw in this uh i guess caveat i believe that media plays a role in that too in in this belief of where i should be by a certain age. You know yeah, what I mean? For sure, mm -hmm. for sure. Um I feel like ultimately, I mean the the question is more of a conversation starter, right? Ultimately mm -hmm. the answer is subjective, right? Um I guess for me, and this is probably not a good answer, but it's kind of like, hey, once I start kind of being financially responsible for everything and literally all the decisions are on me whatever age that comes um mm -hmm. kind of when it's like hey i'm living for me right because a lot of times you kind of socialize where it's like hey well you're under my roof you're gonna do things <laughs> right yeah um, yep. it's been and, and obviously you know love my mom my dad um 
you know, but I've been under my own roof now for a long, long, long time. And it's just kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, ever since that's happened, it's just kind of been like, okay, I'm kind of, don't get me wrong, I still call them, I still lean on them for advice, I still trust them as as they have been on this earth um, longer than I have, you know, just, just a guess. Um, so there are some things that they have, plenty of things that they've been through that I have not even thought of yet, even at even at my age. Um, but the same token, I'm I'm still at this point I'm 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 still living for me with my decisions. Um, I love them. I, I I want to do what I can to be a great son and and to you know, take care of them any way I can, although they don't tend to need me for real um, in, in, in maybe like financial manners and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ultimately doing this stuff for me, like like the jobs I apply for, the, 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 the everything, right? You know? Yeah. For me, man. And, and at this point, and, and let's say, like like with Kadia, right? You know, obviously, you know, everything is good and stuff, but it's like even if and see this is an interesting thing, even if your parents don't like your significant other, right, which I don't think that's the case here, it's like, how would that affect me? Um I, I don't know, you know. It it'd probably be important, but at the same token, I'm the one living with my significant other every day. You know, yeah. not right. Um, but that don't seem to be a problem here because he fits the image. I mean, she come from uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess middle class, if you will, background. So yeah, you know. that's still interesting. That is interesting though, because I think maybe, like you said, of course, this question is a conversation starter. But like now, I'm thinking like, well, but had had my choices in significant other not been influenced right from afar by them right um you know things that you might look for in a mate things that you might mate or companion but also things that you you know may value too right um interesting i i thought you were gonna say that the age range started when you started growing your beard um, (laughs) which i have not been able to grow yet uh i thought that's where you were gonna head with that but uh you know hey you know (laughs) <laughs> this this beard of time to get to man i mean it yeah it uh it, it i think it might have became this beard in the late 20s because mid 20s in the late 20s beard, like i i kind of mm-hmm. still have a little like a little signature mm-hmm. patch in there which now mm-hmm. is kind of like disguised so i i okay. can uh, i can appreciate the the work that was put into this okay so there's still maybe hope for me maybe yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, man. Who knows? They might got pills for that now too, man. They should. They should. So oh, you know, we'll see. If you got Maybe a pill, be... if you got a pill for beard growth, hey, man, mm-hmm. we sponsor us. We'll get you some sales. Trust me. We will get Trust you some me. sales. People would definitely see the growth if I started oh. using your product. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, that's that's the perfect reason to sponsor us because you know Achilles mm-hmm. is telling you that hey, look, if your product really works, 
people will see it. They will know it because, yo, all of a sudden he'll have a beard and mine will be even bigger. So people will even know, like, yo, it's really working. It makes your existing beard more full and Mm -hmm. it gives you more girth. And then Mm -hmm. if you do not have a beard, it'll look like non-existent beard. beard. Like, Mm -hmm. but you even used to shave your face. Come on, man. It's a no-brainer. Get get yourselves yeah. up and sponsor us, man. Stop playing. Stop playing. But uh, <laughs> you know, as 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 we move forward, right? I got another another little question, right? And this is uh th- this is a a definitely a conversation starter too. Uh, what what does it take to to have a what is required? when it comes to having a successful and long-lasting marriage. How about I talk about why I asked this question? I asked this question, once again, we mentioned uh, at the front of the show to read the links in the, um, read the links in the show notes, because this is where we get into spoiler territory. Uh, so this is like basically the final warning to read it. Um, yeah. Anyway, I asked this question because there were problems on both sides of this marriage between Reg and Ash, right? Um, Reg, as we mentioned, was not always a card-carrying member of the FBMA. He um, he ran into issues where he couldn't keep it in his pants um, Uh uh, in the earlier years of this marriage, right? Yes, Um, yes, yes. and he was punished for that. And mm-hmm. then when he is basically uh, invited into uh, what Jonathan's, his son's name is Jonathan, right? Yeah. Yes, when yes, brother Jonathan. Or he melts into Jonathan's dream, he figures out that when he had moved out of the house, uh, Terrence was around to keep, uh, mm-hmm. to keep Ashley comfortable. And Jonathan... Mm-hmm witnessed this you know yes he did he saw yes. and, and and what is what is even troubling about this right is although reg doesn't agree that this was a legit reason to cheat part of the reason was because of a lack of desire or interest in ash when it comes to having sex with him she would yes. have sex with him, you know, on occasion, but it would not be passionate or desirable. It'd be more so like, hey, look, you know, we're in this marriage. Let's, you know, I'll do this and just make sure, you know, you're happy, you're satisfied, but I really don't want to be here. Right? Mm-hmm. I'd rather and- be with Terrence. <laughs> That's what she was saying. Yeah. So I think I think uh the 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 good brother uh Dr. Ridge. I think the good brother Dr. Ridge, like you said, though he does not say this was a reason for or does he though he does not say this was a good reason, um, you know, uh when my when the good brother Dr. Ridge rolled over as as Disha so eloquently put it, already erect, he rolled over and spooned against Ashley's back. Um, her body would either stiffen or slacken. And acquiesce. Neither was an invitation. Ashley's lack of interest in sex had been a gradual thing. 
that first baffled, then angered, and ultimately saddened Ridge. Wow. Uh, you know, those are those are those are three different feelings that no no card carrying member of the FBA wants to feel uh when it comes to that. She's holding his hand. She's like, "Your hands are as soft as Terrence's hands." Mm. Mm, mm, mm. And when he finds out about this, I don't know if you imagined this, uh, Reggie, but I imagined him looking through the bars of the stairs mm. and seeing Terrence down there. I mean, heart heart wrenching stuff. Heart wrenching yeah. stuff. It 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 um, definitely was, man. Like. I, I felt bad for him because it was like the, the, the reason why I felt bad for him, at least to a degree, mm-hmm. is because for all these years, he thought he was the only one. You know, mm-hmm. He thought he was the only one who had, you know, uh, disrespected who, who, no, who violated the code of conduct to his faithful association. He thought he was the only one who, uh, who who had missteps, and to come to find out, you know, the Faithful Black Women's Association had uh, women's association mm-hmm. had a violator as well. You know, mm-hmm. he's not the only one who should have been suspended for a few games. She was supposed to be suspended for a few games too, but you know what? Absolutely. They covered it up. They covered it up for, her. Mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's not right, man. It's not right. It's not right. So to to I guess answer your question, man, communication. Yes. Communicado. Mm. Okay. Mm. Uh communication, I think, is the I mean the the missing piece here. Because we know that Ashley, uh, like we said earlier, is like living for her parents. I believe a judge and a physician. Um, yes. as I was just kind of uh skimming back through here, but a judge and a physician uh safely in ensconced in their hometown of Ann Arbor, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yep. I, yeah um, I think, but I don't know why Ashley didn't give, because he meets Ashley as this activist, as this free spirit, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, if Ashley, Ashley and Reg had communication about the type of life uh, she wanted to live, I think maybe she could still be living that life, but unfortunately... Terrence just put a wedge in between their relationship. And then I'd like to also point a accusatory finger at mm. brother Jonathan, who has kept this secret, um, who has kept this secret for quite some time. This whole family needs to communicate. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, what's the how, does the, how did the song go? We communicate. What I need from you is under, come on now, yeah. understanding. <laughs> and and you, you opened up something we haven't really gotten into yet that's a very important element in this story, right? And it does lead to another question. So one of, one of the big things going on in kind of in the background because i feel like the the although there is this ability that that reg has the work to me does seem to be more about this marriage this this 
failure in communication in this marriage, as you were just talking about. Um, mm -hmm. and, and in the background of that is this desire for protest that Jonathan has. Um, this is a contemporary story because it is talking about how, you know, there are uh, protests going on, as you all remember last year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, during the summer, you know, after the, the murders of Breonna Taylor, um, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, um, you know, people took to the streets worldwide. Um, and Jonathan has a desire to be out there in the streets with the people uh, protesting uh, police brutality, right? Systemic racism. Um, and Ashley is not with it. She despite her background and, and and also to add more context to what Achille was saying earlier, Reg meets her and sees her and, and is infatuated, impressed, and admiration, etc., of her at Yale University, seeing her lead the charge, right? Of 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 you know protesting. Um I, I don't I don't remember what the specific thing was that they were protesting, but she was leading the charge. Um yeah. However, with Jonathan, she's like, no, no, I don't want you out there. I don't want you out there with me. I don't want you out there with Reg. I don't want you nowhere near that. Right. Uh -huh. And I want to ask you, uh, Achilles, is how should Ashley have gone about dealing with Jonathan's desire to protest? Is the adage of do as I say, not as I do appropriate here? Uh, she does, after all, have experience as a protester. Yeah, I was trying to find uh, trying to find what she actually was protesting, but it doesn't at least I don't see it. Um, but, you know, Ivy League um, and uh, out there getting it. Um, but, yeah, the adage. Uh, no, man, Ashley, Ashley got to let this young brother go to the protest. Um, and Ashley needs to get there. Ashley needs to be there and show him the ways of proper protesting. Um, that's one thing that's in Tamika's book um, that's mentioned, you know, the work that goes into protesting or either I think it's directly in the book and also mentioned in all the recon I did. But like stuff that I just didn't know, like you got to have milk there uh, for, you know, if they're pepper sprayed, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, bail funds for the folks who undoubtedly will be jailed. Right. And yeah. and then you have to protect yourself from the people who aren't there to actually participate in the protests who are there to disrupt the protests and so i feel like ashley having that background would be someone who can give that information to jonathan someone who she is saying uh is not built for uh being out there right well you know build that brother up right and take take brother um take brother reg along for the ride right but i think as i said uh previously when we spoke that Perhaps she's trying to meet someone else at the protest. <laughs> mm. <laughs> or someone else will be at the protest that she doesn't want her folks to run into. Yep. She she is trying to avoid. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe Terrence also has a rich history in activism. Maybe Terrence mm. is also moved by the act of protesting. Maybe she knows without a doubt that Terrence mm. Her colleague in finance, possibly mm -hmm. her colleague in college, too. I can't recall. Mm -hmm. story. Possibly living there. He, mm -hmm. he, maybe he, and, and, and uh, 
I know you were saying this. Maybe he will be the one to grab Jonathan by the arm and let him know, hey, this is how it's done, son. This is how it's done, son. I mean, that both figuratively <laughs> and possibly literally. <laughs> yeah. You know? Which, which, yes, which, yes. which makes us also like think about this point too, right? When, when, and you know what? I'll even ask the question before I get into this, right? This this final question I have written here. Were Reg's intervention something he should have fa- always found a way to suppress? Should he have at least let the children know that he was there in their dreams instead of hiding himself? Uh, and why, right? Why, uh, as in, were his intervention something that he should have suppressed, right? That's kind of a yes or no question, but I kind of make it open-ended by saying why, right? Um, and I would say, you know, should he have, even with the other question, right? Should he have made his presence felt within those dreams? Why or why not? So I, I asked that question to you, and I want to make sure to connect it to um, this thing we were getting at with Terrence. Okay, so I think, um, of course, you know, as a uh, as a member of the medical community, he is violating uh, some privacy, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the reason we must leave it open ended, right, is because I mean, here's a black man who can go in and out of folks' dreams, right? Yeah. Uh, and we know that. Um, well, well, first of all, you know, therapy. Uh, one of the reasons. Um, one of the reasons therapy, I think, has gotten a lot of um, uh, gotten a thrust in the black community, right, is first of all, we see the value of it. And there is this emerging middle class of black folk who can afford therapy. Right um, now that, you know, previously that was something that was probably a little bit more difficult for um, the black community to kind of get into, aside from like, you know, other factors, um, which I say that to say is that, you know, he's probably working with white children more maybe possibly or people of other ethnicities and so we know that could very much well we know it will fall back and destroy brother rage's life right um but of course the short answer yes he's wrong he should reveal himself because he's violating these children um but i i mean i think we've all watched enough superhero stories to know that it's safer to keep your superpower to yourself yeah yeah right because it's 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 a it's that old adage where people I, I, don't, I don't I'm I'm gonna butcher it here but fear what they don't understand yes they they fear what they don't understand and usually with that fear comes like very bad and dangerous decisions being made right mm-hmm. um so 100 percent I agree with you that it's a complete violation of privacy um, however. He seems to, for the most part, have been doing like good work as as a result yeah. of it. He's able to realize what, you know, these children are afraid of, right? Like he was able to um there's there's the the young boy in the beginning of the book who has the T'Challa toy, right? Who, you know, in his dream, he was like uh he was turning into Black Panther, right? He ended up getting, I guess, the vibranium necklace and and he ended up fighting off the bullies. And I, I suppose what we're what we're what's being told to us there if we read the subtext is he wishes he had superpowers so he could, you know, um basically handle these bullies who are uh, you know, tormenting him. 
you mm-hmm. know, school, I, I, I assume. Um, yeah, so he's able to now get at that and ask questions about that because of his superpower. Um, however, you know, with, with all innovation, there is good and bad, right? So there's that good, but there's also the bad of violating the, pri- the privacy. And there's also the bad of, for example, going into your son's dream and finding out that your wife has been cheating on you. Um, <sighs> so, you know, it, it, it's tough, right? It, it's a, uh, you know, that, that's why it's tough to sometimes just try to make things like good or evil. And, and we have to accept that, hey, it, it's a it's a gray area because chances are if you had this superpower, you would use it too. You know, for, you for better would. You would cry too if it <laughs> happened to you. Doom, 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 doom. Dang, brother Rich. <laughs> the show, man. It's it's the truth, man. You know, it, you know, it's the, those those binaries, it's binaries uh don't serve us in more ways than one, man. More ways than you one. You taking Jonathan to this protest though? Now that you know that he's, you know, violated the unwritten laws of the Sundom. Um, <laughs> I'm going to push back on that a little bit, though, right? Because did he, did... Did he, in fact? I don't think Jonathan violated, though. Because, mm. all right. You because, wouldn't want your son to tell you about Terrence? I mean, of course, <laughs> right? I mean, uh, one, one million percent, right? But at the same token, we we don't see... You know, subtext, once again, you know, for maybe those mm-hmm. who are listening and learning, uh, subtext is a thing where although something is not written on a page, you can kind of read into the fact that it happens, right? Mm-hmm. And In what I am reading into is I'm pretty sure Ashley, being the expert um, cheater that she is, probably let Jonathan know, hey, you know, this is between, you know, mommy and you. You know what I mean? Mm. Dad mm. don't need to know about this. You mm. know what I'm saying? And mm. maybe he was being the perfect son because he was being faithful to his mom. Yeah. You know? Hey, 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 elegant, elegant counter argument, uh, Reggie. Elegant counter argument. And <laughs> I just think that you might be onto something because. I am a mama's boy, you know, <laughs> um, so as a car carrying member of that association as well, um, you know, yeah, yeah, I, so I, I can see the, how that could happen. That's the MBA. So we got the FBMA and then the MBA. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about the Masters of Business Administration. We're talking about the mm-hmm. Mama's Boy Association. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah. So is there is there anything we we missed with Doctor Sandman, or you think uh, that that's that's good enough? Do they work it out? Do you feel like they work it out? Oh, uh, good question. This is this is more uh, subtext. Word word mm-hmm. day for for learners and readers. Um, so this is what I think. So at the end, let me give let me give the folks a brief recap. At the end, um, Reg ultimately ultimately takes Jonathan to the protest. It's just them two mm-hmm. though. It's not. Uh, Jonathan, well, Jonathan actually takes him because Jonathan's driving. He's like 16 or something like that. Um, but they go together. Um, it's ultimately them two. Ashley does not go because she is now in the quote unquote doghouse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
what I'm thinking is because Reg, Reg also appreciates the idea of the institution of marriage as well. I know uh, the mm. quote uh, escapes me right now, but it's in there. I know that for sure. He talks about it being kind of like a safety net, right? So what I'm thinking is he was out the house three months. I don't think Ashley is out the house at all. I think if anything, she's in a metaphorical doghouse for a little while. Um, I think maybe a month to a month and a half tops. Um, and then I think they continue moving forward because ultimately, um, Reg understands that it, some of that, from, from from what he knows, some of it is karma. Some of it is like retaliation. You cheated on me, so I cheated on you, right? Um, so I, I would like to think that as a doctor and as seemingly a, a person with balanced thoughts, he would be disappointed that he would ultimately come to a place of understanding. And and what I would hope, what I think happens as a result of this too, one thing that, that she had been reluctant to do that I think has to happen now is marriage counseling. I think the end result of this, of, of this reveal is marriage counseling that you've been put off for years. We're going to do it. And if, and this is uh this is maybe shallow a little bit. Maybe better sex comes out of it too, man. I was maybe. just gonna say I was just you gonna know? say if, if one takes if one peruses the uh the uh statutes the constitution and statutes of the FBA, um right at uh policy ten point one section C, it says mm-hmm. in the marriage counseling the the placid sexual interactions that have been occurring must be addressed uh, with said therapist. Um, I suggest uh, Sister Anita Kopach, who is a uh, sexual therapist um, who can uh, aid and assist in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anita is, yeah, Anita is uh, well-versed in those in those uh, areas and could possibly help this marriage uh, move forward, at least as far as that is concerned. Shout out to Nita Kopach, man. So, come to find out, this whole marriage could have been resolved if we mm-hmm. sent Doctor Reg and Ashley over to Anita. Yep, yep. Nita Kopach, the author of Shallow Waters, which uh, really mm-hmm. August uh, this year for those men I know. Um, yes, yes, yes. Damn, you have all the answers. <laughs> you gotta share them, bro. <laughs> Hey man, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be the um three-time serving vice president of the FBA uh if I was not well versed in the constitution and bylaws of the association. Yes, that is that's is very true, man. That's very true. Mm-hmm. We your your leadership is uh invaluable, sir. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, honey. <laughs> And uh, speaking of love, Gail Jones mm-hmm. has a oh, yes. interesting way of, of talking about it. And that is something that Amani Perry uh, showcased very well. Yeah, shout out. I don't even have those in my vault right now, although they are around. Corridor over there, Paul Mayer's over here. I know that for a fact. Um, but uh, 
Gail Jones has an interesting way of talking about uh, femininity, of talking about love, of uh, conquering respectability, um, among other things. And Amani Perry does a wonderful job dissecting that in her piece called uh, She Changed Black Literature Forever. Um, and then she disappeared, right? Or she then mm. disappeared, uh, which was in the New York Times uh, recently. Um, I, the date, I can open up this link here. And tell September you 17th, 2021. Before we get into this, did you know Robert Jones Jr. did a review for the um, Times as well? On Corridor? Uh-uh, oh, on uh, Paul Mayer's. Hell no, I didn't. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He just oh, that's he, the beauty. Oh well, I don't know. Let me see the date. Uh oh, don't you? Jones and they said, "Nah, they said, wanna." Hold on, I gotta. Uh oh, I gotta log in. But yeah, mm-hmm. I got, I got. I, don't worry, cause I just told him I was gonna tell on him to you and send you the article, um, literally in real time right now. <laughs> and, I, and I'm I'm perusing his page as you tell me this. I don't see not a thing. I see mm-hmm. plenty because because my boy Rob be letting us know what need to be known. Uh, yeah. But what I am it not like thinking, September 14th is what, what it looked like in this link here. And what I am not seeing on this page is a review. Oh, okay. Okay. He did post on his page. He did post on his page. I, I missed it. Okay. He posted it. He posted it on yeah. the day it came out. Okay. Well, we, right. we definitely going to have to check that out. Yeah, for sure. He says, I had the distinguished and terrifying honor. I like that. I like <laughs> how that's worded. Of reviewing mm-hmm. Paul Mayer's the latest novel from the legendary Gail Jones for the NY Times. Mm-hmm. He puts to say other things. Uh, but okay. Yep. All right. He shared it. I missed it. That's on me. That's yeah, on me too. But I'm excited now, uh, especially now that I've read Corridor. Um, you know, I'm excited to. Um, yeah, it's all in the lips. Corridor. Corridor. Um, to to dive into this piece and that piece. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. And um, and you know, shameless plug here, y'all. Make sure you're following Books of Pop Culture on IG. It is. Uh, the link to that will be in the show notes. Um, we did a wonderful, wonderful, fulfilling conversation with Robert Jones um, about the profits. It was, uh, yes. it was, it was so much fun. Three hours. Th- that's right. Three hours well spent. Um, you, you, you won't regret it. Um, so Absolutely. now we can talk about Amani Perry and how um, you know Gail Jones changed black literature forever, then she disappeared. Um, what would be, I know with Dr. Sandman uh, from DCPR, which by the way, we didn't mention this. Dr. Sandman, excuse me, can be found in uh, the Oxford American. Once again, link will be, um, the link will be in the show notes, but just so you know, Oxford American Magazine um, is the, I guess the publisher, if you will, of that story. Um, yeah. And New York Times is the publisher of this uh, article or this essay from Imani Perry. What would be your rundown, if you will, your synopsis of this essay and what in the work that Amani Perry is doing? 
We know that um, we know that Gail uh, is a uh, recluse, and so when tasked with this um, this you know monumental, I don't even know. I wonder. I wonder what the email looks like when they ask her to write this, right? Um, but when tasked with this uh, this writing piece, Imani, being uh, the consummate scholar, uh, decides to um, not take the easy road, right? That's kind of laid in front of her, uh, and basically harp on um, her reclusive nature and um, the tumultuous um, um, tumultuous nature of of her life right but to more so dive in it from like a scholarly uh a scholarly lens but also like this person who is not only a scholar but you know a a writer's writer as well right and so having the having the um you know if you if you are someone who does this work that that we do as readers and that uh people like imani robert uh disha do as writers then you know of the specter of Gail Jones, right? And so you want to treat it with respect and care. And Imani does that uh, by going into this um, this this juxtaposition of of uh, Gail's life, Gail's work, uh, and the impending um, uh, uh, word comet that is Paul Mayer's. Uh, as well so yeah 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 i'm uh excited to dig into this because imani uh put her foot uh put the proverbial foot into this one (laughs) and and i want to add on to one little thing you said in there right because imani in the essay you you mentioned Mm -hmm. how she's a writer's writer and what imani said in the essay that kind of was like oh this is even better than being a writer's writer she's a black woman's writer Come on now. I like the way she elevated that because you know when you call someone a black woman's writer, you're now putting them in the class with Toni Morrison. You're now putting them in the Mm -hmm. class with Naylor, Alice Walker, Deisha Filia, Honoré Jeffrey. The list goes on, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was interesting how she framed her. How and and I mentioned this with. Uh, Keith Clark in his intro with the Narrows, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes these essays, these these essays, which oftentimes become intros to re-releases from novels, what these scholars and or authors are doing is writing these, they're writing these lost figures, if you will, or underserved figures into history into their rightful place in history. Keith Clark did an amazing job of that with Anne Petrie and the Narrows. And I think that Amani Perry does similar work here with Gail Jones. Although, um, review-wise, it seems like, well, you know what, that's actually not true. Anne Petrie probably, because of the street, she probably does have maybe a higher profile still. Well, you know what? That's interesting to consider. That's an interesting thing to consider. Even just considering both profiles. Yeah. Hey, might that might be a Yeah. We we gonna mm-hmm. write that down mentally. Yeah, that that's interesting. Um sexy. We're talking about books is so fun. Because that's yeah. a, that's a that's that's yeah, I'm getting I'm getting bookish 
bookish chills. Yes, yes. You never <laughs> fall into, huh? And mm-hmm. it's like Gail Jones is getting this, 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 um, you know, her Hollywood star, you know, written to the street here, right? Uh, mm-hmm. No pun intended there. And what, what, uh, what is also interesting about me mentioning Ann Petrie here is the reclusive nature of, of the both of them. Although we'll, we'll center Gail Jones in this conversation, Gail Jones Arr. is also a recluse. Gail Jones wanted, she, she chose being a writer. She chose her life being about the work. Um, and I, I want to know, when you are a writer that is as talented as Gail Jones, is it ever possible for your life to really just be about the work um is is that something you can reasonably expect when when you're as gifted as she is let me let me let me google reasonable because <laughs> i think that's uh that's a, i mean let me uh what's the word let me interrogate as uh, as 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 uh, brother Lyman would say, let me interrogate. Yeah. Reasonable of a person having sound judgment, fair and sensible, as much as is appropriate or fair and moderate. Hell, nah, it ain't reasonable. <laughs> Hell, you're writing too damn good, Gail. We can't, we can't, in good consciousness, uh, not try to seek you out, right? <laughs> but yeah. uh, I think, I think that is the nature of the beast, right? Like, yeah. um. With someone that, because uh, now that I've, you know, uh, gotten into uh, Gail's work, uh, when someone and Gail is twenty four, I believe, when this, when Korea uh, um, and probably the workings of the workings of um, Paul Mayers and the workings of um, Eva's man uh, reach. Tony Morrison's doorstep, right? Uh, I guess yeah. now we're we're jumping more into getting into the weeds, right? Uh, at the yeah. behest of, let me, uh, oh Lord, really? Showful article? It was it? What's the guy? Uh, it's the one of the mentors of Gail. While I log in here to um, New York, to New York Times, is, uh, the 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 mentor's name. Don't worry, I will put it up here in my notes. It's Meredith, though. I remember the name Meredith. Uh, yeah, because you had William. William, William? Yeah. Mm-hmm. William Meredith, yeah. um, a, a white man from Connecticut College, uh, who he served as a mentor for her and was even considered a member of the Black literary community. Yeah, so, um, that's definitely uh, dissecting the article. And while while you pull up the info, I'll I'll even um, see if, if I find yeah. it. Yeah, but you got it up yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Meredith is William Meredith. Uh, you know, drops off a box of uh, all of um, Gail's work to Toni Morrison, to which, uh, you know, Morrison is, of course, blown away. Um, let me see if I can get the exact quote. Um, yeah. Uh, so when she was just 25, after this astonishing debut, uh, no, that's not it. I want to read what Morrison basically said. Morrison, uh, I'm a paraphrase as uh, one of us finds it, but Morrison basically says, as she received that work, 
she was um, okay. Every time I looked at it, my heart sank, and I wondered who would be so callous as to send me all of the literary output of a student and expect a reasonable response. I'm seeing her saying this in my head. The presence of this box intimidated me, and finally, threatened it threatened me. One Saturday morning, however, Morrison had a few hours before taking her sons to some afternoon activity because, as we said earlier, Morrison um, wanted us to know that, you know, everybody got stuff to do. So Morrison was taking her sons on afternoon activity, whilst being the amazing editor who gives us Gail Jones and Tony K. Bambara, among others. Uh, she opened the box, planning to make a quick assessment of what was wrong with the writing. Uh, because several editors had already passed on Jones's work. But once Morrison began reading one of the short novels inside, <laughs> she was transfixed. She described the experience in an essay about Jones written for Mademoiselle uh, magazine. I'm getting to use my... Right? Uh, this girl had changed the terms, the definitions of the whole enterprise. So deeply impressed was I that I hadn't time to be offended by the fact that she was 24 and had no right to know so much so well. Right. So if you can, if you can floor and uh, stump um, the, um, I mean, I mean the incomparable, we've said that one three times because we like how that word feels when it comes off song, the incomparable Toni Morrison, then of course, Gail, we gotta show you love. And I wonder, um, I wonder, how Gail receives that, you know, I think Gail probably, you know, is in the, in the crib, like, yeah, they love me. Yeah. They love me. Oh. I'm doing what I'm, cause I want to do good. Right. Like I want yeah. this work. I want it to be about the work. Like you said in the, in the beginning of the question and it has to be because they can't make it about me. I mean, they I can I, try. I right. But. Right. Right. And I, I can't imagine she's not at least a little bit flattered. Mm -hmm. Right. And I can't even imagine that she doesn't have someone in her ear letting her know, like, you know, people are really excited that you have a book coming out. You know, people, I'm pretty sure she's even, she might have completely disregarded it, right? But she's probably heard yeah. of just the bookish people on social media, whether it is Instagram, YouTube, um, uh, TikTok, whatever the case, Twitter. Uh, whatever the case may be, I'm pretty sure she understands. Like this, I know for sure, for sure, for sure, she understands the amount of black women that are behind her, right? Especially just just locally, you know. And that that was something when and and secret out the bag, y'all. Right, this, uh, a brief interlude here. Let me get back to go, y'all. We actually had recorded this episode earlier in the week, and my mic levels were. <laughs> were were terrible right okay, okay. Um, they were they were terrible um and and achille worked a little bit of magic but it was just like you know i wasn't magical enough <laughs> it's just like we gonna we gonna do this again we gonna get it right i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure my levels are turned to what achilles levels are turned to because when i listened to it i thought he sounded fantastic i'm pretty sure when i listen to this again well, thank he you and hopefully we we both will sound like a fantastic duo, right? Mm -hmm. The the fantastic two who outperform Marvel's Fantastic Four. Um, but 
having having said that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned last time, and I would like for you to uh, kind of talk to this again because I think you 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 did it very well. Um, you mentioned about like her guardian angels, if you will, right? The, the oh yeah, of the community who are like uh kind of like the gatekeepers to Gail. I, I would like for you to talk about that a little bit more um uh this time as well. Okay, so I wanted to uh let me see if I can get to this. This is at the at the back end here. Let's see. Cuz it's cuz the the metaphor that I used originally and I think it 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 still works here. It serves like, it. With rappers, right? There's this thing where, okay, when you come into quote unquote my city, wherever that be, maybe it's LA, maybe it's Miami, maybe it's, you know, New York, whatever, it's like, hey, you got to check in when you come to my city, mm-hmm. right? You got to talk to mm-hmm. this person, that person, so that you know, you, you got to pay your proper respect so that you get treated accordingly, right? And it kind of seems like Gail got a little bit of that going in, uh, in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. It says, I know some things now that I didn't know when I started my search, which is something else we talked about a little bit, like the growth of Imani from uh, the young 20 something critic to, you know, the amazing, I don't know, dynamic uh, person that uh, she is now, the scholar that she is now. But Joan still lives in her mother's last house. Black female scholars and writers in Lexington respect her boundaries, but try to keep track of her at the ready. If anyone tries to interfere with her living, they understand that, as Simone White put it, um, it is unsafe for us to be subjects of public scrutiny because we cannot deliver the image of the black woman that is the object of others desire. We have our own work to do from our own perspectives. And and and, you know, having read this now, uh, like you said, for the second time after reading Korea Hedora, um, the 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 weight of black womanhood, the weight of uh, producing generations, which is one of the big themes in this story. Um, yeah, you know, it, yeah. this makes this quote that much more uh, prescient um, to throw out us another cool word to swing around um, yeah. and poignant um, because of, of now I know, you know, right? Like, and, and of course, right? Like I'm coming to all of this um, black art, specifically black female art, right? Reading this written by Imani Perry, who, like we talked about last time, who may have came up against these black female scholars in the attempt to write this amazing piece. And who we said uh, probably was like, hell yeah, when do y'all need me to work my shift? Right? Like, I'm, you know, when y'all need me to work my shift as... Uh, I don't know if you said the metaphor. Go ahead and and wax a little bit on that metaphor that you gave. Oh yeah, you just say about like, the, uh, like like checking in like to to certain cities, right? Oh, I was talking about the Dora the Dora Milaje. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean she she has her Dora Milaje, man. Like like mm-hmm. they are literally like and, and it seems like it was like Crystal Wilkinson. I know was one of them who mm-hmm. um, uh, Monty Perry had to speak to, right? Um, I, I'm. I know there's another uh, black woman writer. I'm not sure if she's mentioned in the article, but Jacinda Townsend is from Kentucky. Yeah. I'm not sure if maybe mm-hmm. she'll run into her a little bit too, but it always seems like there's someone who's kind of like 
you know, just there to kind of let you know what it is with Gail Jones. Like, hey, look, you know, we, we can share this with you about her. We can share that with you about her, but you can't go to her house. And yeah. we have taken it upon ourselves to make sure that our queen has the privacy that she uh, desires, you know, because mm-hmm. because and, and I'm pretty sure there's some people who they probably had to really. And, and not, what I don't want to do here is make it seem like there's a run in between Amani Perry and, and these women who I'm lovingly calling uh, the Dora Milaje. Uh, but I do wonder in the past if maybe there were instances where they kind of had to step up and get a little aggressive. Like, hey, look, you know, we, Gail Jones really doesn't appreciate this type of questioning and we don't allow this here. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, it really just seems like she has just this dope community of people who really admire her and who really are making sure that her boundaries are being abided by. And to to speak to the magnitude of Gail's work and, and thought process uh, at 24, right? Like another reason I said earlier, I think this got caught in the, in the opening talk that I might switch out um, Jubilee for Palmares is inside Corregidora, there's an allusion to Palmares uh, on page 119. Um, with this uh, this black man who's talking about running, uh, he's he's wanting to run away and join up with them renegade slaves up in Palmares. You know, uh, I keep telling him that was way back before his time, but he wouldn't believe me. He said he was going to join up with some black men that had some dignity. You know, Palmares, where these black men to start their own town, escaped and banded together, right? Mm-hmm. And so. You know, we know this work was in the process for a long time, but, you know, my God, like, I love paying attention to, like, how research that was probably done to create this work, right, has inspired what we're holding now in our hands today. Um, you know, so I think I'm going to move it on up. Cause, and and, it, and it, it's talked about as well in the article here. Um uh, no surprise that a woman who has evaded literary establishment has written an epic novel that takes place in the eponymous maroon state, uh, which survived for nearly 100 years in the northeast region of Brazil with a population that is estimated to have ranged from 10,000 to 40,000 people. Mm. Man. So yeah. that's something else I need to get into. Uh, Black Maroons, because we have a history of that here in America, too. Definitely. And um, uh, Wayetu Moore, who is the author of She Would Be King, as well as The Dragons, The Giant, The Women, um, mm-hmm. she um, talks about Moore's in her novel, She Would Be King. Um, and, and then what I wanted to say also about Brazil, what, what I learned in my 20s, shamefully, mid to late 20s, is that Brazil is actually a location that received the majority of enslaved Africans, right? Yeah. So, you yeah. know, Jones was definitely, is definitely doing important work when it comes to making sure that that story is told, uh, at least to English speakers, because I, I think that, you know, um, a lot, because of your, your language often determines what type of history you're gonna receive which is very interesting to consider um and 
English speaking people have gotten this anglicized history, which will sometimes dismiss the uh, the the significance of the presence of enslaved Africans in other parts of the Western Hemisphere. Um, and I really just appreciate Gail Jones expanding the minds of uh, English speaking readers who and reading readers, I guess English speaking and English reading readers who uh, need to really get a full picture of what uh, enslavement looked like. Wow, wow. And, and, um, and, and one thing, and you mentioned this, and I, and I guess we can maybe touch on this and then move forward, perhaps, unless you, you think there's something else. You, you talked about Amani Perry's growth. Which uh, which was profound to read about um, how when she was nineteen, and this is something when I was reading this, I thought about you, because this is something that you have said on multiple occasions, and and as I just being around you, speaking to you more often, right uh, throughout this past year, or well, not a calendar year, well, you know what I mean when I say that. Just talking to you as much as we do throughout the year, I am understanding it more and more as I continue to read this thing where she talks about how she didn't like the book on like a kind of like a surface level. I'm paraphrasing. Right. Uh-huh. When she was 19, that's what she was worried about, how she didn't necessarily whether or not she liked the book versus yeah. when she got older, she was reading the book and was asking herself what work is this story doing i assume you have the quote in front of you, you got that look in your eye yeah i'm looking I, that's what i'm doing i'm looking for now uh let's see yeah. um i'm looking at uh it may well this is this is like where so she's she's literally like growing right in in the writing right because she's talking about the critiques of eva's man um by um by Audre Lorde um, and um, and then the Black Feminist Kobahi uh, River Collective statement uh, from uh, Barbara Smith as well um, that uh, you could tell that she might not have been influenced by the feminist movement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but yeah, I think I think those critiques though are in the realm of things that can be warranted because I think when you talk about what the work does, then you, you situate, you situate uh, your opinion in a way that can be uh, also critiqued. Right. Like if I just say, I don't like a book, right. Like, what is it? We we say we don't like a book, but we never ask the question, like, what is it about me that made me not make this not resonate with me? Right. Right? You know, it's, I didn't like the book because the author didn't do this. Okay. Well, why was that important to you? Like, what is it about you that makes that, so important because obviously we, you should know that the writer didn't know you right or and know your sensibilities know your political leanings etc cetera, etc cetera, when writing this book right um and so when you do position it when you do say things like whether or not gail was influenced by the black feminist movement right then gail and whoever else is uh, reading it can then make a rebuttal on that they can say um some of the things that gail said after i believe it was june jordan's uh, mm-hmm. critiques uh mm-hmm. when she was like you know um if you a woman should be true to who she believes herself to be or who she wants herself to be or who she imagines herself to be i don't know what um what i mean or whether i'm 
uh, true myself to any of that, I don't think there are many of us who are true to our possibilities. Uh, right. Uh, I think, who is that? I, I want to say that was, yeah, that's, that's Gail too. Right. Like, yeah. like, you know, wh what, what possibilities can the work offer you? Uh, and how can you critique those possibilities and whether or not the author did a good job of making those possibilities real? Um, mm -hmm. it's more so, uh, the wheelhouse I want to be in just because that's the kind of, that's where the fun is. That's what the fun is for me. You know, yeah. uh, what is this? What is this work doing? Did it do it well? Uh, and 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 following the development of the attempt, right? Yeah. What the fun is for me. And what what I have realized about coming at the work from that angle is. You'll eventually, you know, the good old adage in literature is show, don't tell, right? Mm -hmm. And you get to a position where when you're writing a critique, a review, whatever you prefer to call it, a reflection, um, you will show without having to tell how you felt about the book. If you ask yourself and you answer, what work is this story doing? You'll, you'll, you'll start with that question and you'll begin to answer and even ask yourself other questions. They'll all be related to the work and they will show without you telling how you felt about the book because the, the people who engage with your work will know from the tone, from what you say, they'll get it, they'll understand. And it'll, it'll be, it, it's better in my opinion for the art when we come from it or when we approach the way we talk about books in that manner. Um, and, and, and once again, uh, um, although the phrasing, what work, what work is this story doing? I attribute that to Annette Gordon Reed, uh, a distinguished award-winning historian, most recently the author, most recently of on Juneteenth. Um, which, you know, please read it if, if you haven't. Um, I credit her with that language. I credit you with the example, the nearest example of that that I have been seeing at least for this past year or so. There's many of readers in the space um, who, who I can think of, like like Poonam, like Aixa, uh, uh, Joshua, Letty, Chanello, right? These are These are people who are doing this same work you know, of, you know, what work is this story doing? What makes it interesting? And they're, they're able to break down books in ways that I just really, really appreciate. So just big ups to y'all and, and just this new framework that, uh, that, that I'm able to, um, examine books with and big ups to Amani also for writing and sharing that process with us because so many of us think that she's brilliant. And although she maybe didn't like, give 2000 words or whatever about that the words that she gave was enough and and i think it's important to understand that um and, and this is something i saw uh brandon fleming shout out to him talk to psa about during their conversation um at, at politics and pros when this educated came out he's like you kind of got to practice being a scholar just like you practice being an athlete and, and that is something that is extremely interesting to consider i never looked at it like that i never looked at like 
just reading these books as like practice in a way because reading kind of feels like the game but it, it's both simultaneously and and Amani Perry shows that in this essay that I was practicing while I was playing the game mm-hmm. or, or it almost makes you wonder if this is interesting to consider too and then maybe we maybe this is a later thing but it's like, is reading practice and writing the game? Mm. You know? Mm. That's, what, that's what some would say. That's right? Some would say. And something else interesting that we talked about last time, so I was just double checking. So you get um, you get these critiques, right, um, from these uh, writers who probably might have something different to say, right, yeah. as, as time goes on, as they grow and develop, right? Because um, yeah. Corregidor comes out in 75 and then Eva's Man 76. So there's not a lot of space. Corregidor, even though it was well-received, hadn't made the full splash, right? Hadn't done the work that Toni Morrison says it does, right, to the Black literary novel and, the, and specifically the Black female literary novel. And so as that, as as her body of work, I guess, lays itself out, you probably in nine if you ask these same authors, these same writers to talk about this in nineteen eighty, when does Beloved drop? Eighty seven. Eighty so you know what I'm saying? You ask them at eighty seven, yeah. right? You don't you don't get the space for some of the language that's in Beloved if Caricadora doesn't break down those doors, if Eva's man doesn't break down those doors, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you might have a different conversation. But like you said, I mean, that is the the space like you said and Imani said and other writers have said that is the space that Gail occupies due to the power of her work. Yeah. Because hell what Eva's man probably what 26? Right. Right? You know, I hadn't checked that but 26? Yes. You know gonna be nominated. What's that award you say uh that you that you we talked about before that was it under 35 award? Yeah 535 yeah 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 Mm -hmm. that's back to back nominations. Yeah, honestly. Uh, then you got you got <laughs> the healing is ninety eight. Uh, you got but you got White Rat. I didn't know about White Rat and Ravina short stories seventy seven and eighty six. Yeah, yeah, I believe because in the seventies and late seventies, she basically put out like three books. I, mm-hmm. I guess the eighties, like you mentioned, in the nineties, it was mm-hmm. like the Heal and the Mosquito, and mm-hmm. um, and now uh, Palmares. And and we just got at this, and and we can make like brief mentions of it, right? Um, you know, June Jordan. June Jordan was someone who, you know, Gail Jones, you know, was in community with. Um, you know, um, June Jordan passed away in two thousand two. For those who don't know, rest in peace. Um, you know, she was someone who Gail Jones was in community with, um, and June Jordan didn't have, you know the kindest of things to say about Eva's man, calling it like a dangerous book among other things. And Gail Jones, although she, uh, you know, replied with grace, you could tell there's a little bit of hurt there, you know, a little bit of disappointment um, with the fact that she, she felt not to put words in her mouth because she can express herself fully. But as a reader, I interpreted that she was uh, misunderstood by June Jordan. Mm-hmm. I think the, misunderstanding coming from june of all people uh was more hurtful maybe than a misunderstanding coming from someone else um and 
it would be interesting, you know, uh, you know, had, you know, June Jordan been around like now, right. Um, and maybe reread in, in, in 2021 or 2020 or whatever, with just this changing landscape that we're in the changing politics that we're in. Um, and now with language, cause the, the term respectability politics doesn't even make it into the lexicon until the early 90s Uh, evelyn uh rotham higginbotham i I believe i I apologize if i'm getting her name wrong but it's a black female scholar um whose name i am going to look up but that review was was basically that right it was uh you know respectability evelyn brooks uh higginbotham uh is the uh, creator of the term respectability politics yes um so um so i i I'd just be curious to see if her thoughts on eva's man would have like changed over time maybe they did and maybe i, I just haven't had access to um the uh essay or the thoughts or whatever but uh it's just it's just interesting to see that even it's just it's just interesting to see how long respectability's hold has still had a grasp on folks because it's still around now. There's there's the the naysayers are louder, and because of social media in particular, these voices are now heard daily, plenty of them, right? And I think the younger generation is really like against it, but. Uh, it's just interesting to see the hold that it still had, even as thought was changing in the seventies. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so from from there, man. Um, you know, big ups to our cultural commentary features, uh, which came from uh, once again Dr. Sandman by Disha Filial, um, and then she changed Black literature forever, and then disappeared, or then she disappeared by Amani Perry. Um, big ups to them. We will now go to uh, some quick hitters. Um, you know, this is a segment where we just deliver more news that has happened, um, but in a quicker manner, uh, just so you know, just some things that are going on that are interesting in the world. Um, and uh, speaking of interesting, Sally Rooney. Sally, Sally. Rooney, the author of Beautiful World, Where Are You, is living, uh, if anything, an interesting journey, man. Um, there is this website that some of you may be familiar with called bookmarks.reviews. It is a review aggregate website that will basically, let's say you release a novel or just just a book. I, I won't even call it a novel. If you release a book and, and they have wind of it, what they will do is basically, you know, source the web for all your reviews, you know, whether in the New York Times, Washington Post, LA review of books, whatever the case may be, and they'll group them all together and they'll give you a score based off all those reviews. Um, and those scores will range from rave to positive to mixed to pan, right? That was me going from greatest to least. Um, and Sally Rooney's most recent book scores a positive if you check on bookmarks.reviews. However, what is the the reason why this is even newsworthy is because this novel, which has been out for a little under 21 days, um, is the most reviewed book in the history of that website. 
um, with, I believe, what, 66 reviews or something like that? 67. 67 and counting. And counting mm-hmm. um, a, as of last reported. So, um, wow. That, that, that's what I got there, man. Uh, you know, among other thoughts. <laughs> what, uh, what, what crosses your mind when you see that, man? Man, I don't know if you saw it, but um, on my Insta story, I, I I rushed home the other day, uh, full of excitement and joy. Uh, and you know, I, I get home because I had Paul Mares um, yes. on my front doorstep. I, I opened it up, and um, I was like, "Yay, Paul Mares, Gail Jones!" You know, because you know, I was excited. And who do I see beneath Gail? But Sally lurking on, I believe, Books of Millions, uh, Books of Millions, uh, what do they call those things? A literary mag? Sally, Mm -hmm. front page, doing Mm -hmm. doing her thug dizzle. Uh, It's to quote you, man, it's Sally's world. We're just living in it. The Rooney Mafia is everywhere. They're listening now. Every time I post. Every time I post Sally, let me see who the recent culprit is. I'm going to say their Instagram name so we don't, you know, accidentally uh, expose another another uh, member of the Rooney Mafia. <laughs> who was it? Right. But I was just, I was like, really, Sally, again? And they were like, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, she's on my shelf too. Oh, I'm going to have to find it and send it to you because it was so funny. They were like, she's got you again. And I was like, another person? Sally, there's, these are the only shelves left yeah. in America that don't have Sally on them. Uh, and it was only like I told this person, I was like, I got to buy Paul Mayers before yeah. I succumb and go in there. Uh, and as I, as I went in that last time to try and purchase it in the store, in the brick and mortar, Sally was there too at the yeah. front of the store. Front of the store, so... Yeah, it is. Let's just say one one thing we know for sure is that these publishers have bet big. Uh, you know, I, I know of FSG here in the U.S. and Faber and Faber over in the U.K. They have bet big on Sally mm-hmm. with these murals and and these pop up shops and these hats they're giving people. Um, you know, pop up shop had even like a writer's workshop in there, right? Like like so so much is happening. Um, I have the book and and you know I'm just like, hey, I, I'm excited to see like the work she's doing. Honestly, if if they believe in her this much, you know, it's got to be something there. You know, um, something, something. You know, even something. if it's just a good conversation with your people. Um, mm-hmm. so that's a thing that happened, y'all. Uh, check it out if you feel inclined. The next uh. The next quick hitter we have here is the shortlist of the Booker Prize was recently nominated, or not not nominated, but recently announced. Um, and it includes uh, The Promise by Damon Galgut, No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood, Bewilderment by Richard Powers, Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead, The Fortune Men by Nadifa Muhammad, and A Passage North by Anuk, uh, A Rude... Uh, I, I apologize if I uh, pronounced um, Anouk's uh, name incorrectly. Uh, but those are the uh, six books that made the Booker Prize shortlist. Um, it originally is a 13 book long list. 
Um, when you hear those books, do any stand out to you? Um, do you have any thoughts on this short list? No comment. No. <laughs> no, I can't. no. no. <laughs> I don't. I I have no. Um, I do have a a. I've heard of a passage north. Yeah. Uh, I saw uh, someone review. No one is talking about this. Yeah. Uh, and I think I've heard of bewilderment and and, and great circle. I've like you know seen them. Yeah. Um, but you know my 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 readerly sensibilities. Uh, have not led me in the direction of these uh, five or six. Let me see, one, three, yeah, six, yeah. six books mm. just yet. Um, you know, but I am attempting to read widely, and maybe one of them shall grab me. The review of Patricia Lockwood's joint that I read, um, it was a it was a good review in that it had me very interested in the second half of the book. Yes, yes. Yes, um, Letty, Letty, uh, Letty, brilliant. Letty reads uh, Leticia Cospert Miller, who, whose work you should be checking as well. Um, mm-hmm. She she shared thoughts on uh, this this novel uh, that I really appreciated, and her journey was interesting because um, she she didn't quite like the novel per se, right? But she appreciated some parts of what the work did and what it didn't do, right? Or what it could have done. And that's where, like I always say, when you talk about the work and you center it, you will be able to gleam the like or the dislike uh, that exists within the reviewer. Um, so mm-hmm. that's one I definitely would like to read out of this bunch um, in, in A Passage North and Fortune Men. Fortune Men is actually not out in the u.s yet it'll be out in march yeah. um but uh big ups to Nadifa muhammad as Issa ray once said i'm rooting for everybody black Nadifa muhammad mm-hmm. is the sole black person on this short list so uh, i think you may know who i'm rooting for um, as i mentioned earlier my readerly sensibilities will probably lead <laughs> me in the direction of the darker hue um first so yeah Yeah. looking at that fortune man looking at it man march march 2022 (laughs) out in the u.s um you know it's out in the uk now i believe um national book award long list were announced so i'm not going to do like we did for the booker prize and read you every nomination because there were 50 books in total that were nominated for the national book awards national book awards uh uh they reward a winner from five genres every year, uh, which are fiction, nonfiction, poetry, young people's literature, and translated literature. Um, are there any uh, books that uh, stood out to you when you saw these respective lists? Um, well, yeah, I'll let you go respond to that, but then I have answers too. Well, I'll say, uh, firstly, um, you guys, Reggie did read all 50 on the previous recording. You missed out on a treat. Um, It was wonderful. It was complete with uh, the instrumental that we have come to know and love, How Does It Feel, um, by D'Angelo. You missed out on that one. It was was amazing. Uh, I was there, uh, and I lived to tell the story. Um, But, yeah. Very uh, interested in the uh, 535 honorees. Uh, you got 
uh, Dantel Moniz. I hope I said that correct. But Milk Blood Heat, I've seen that get, uh, uh, you know, moved around a lot with some interesting reviews as well from some of our favorite folk. Um, that one I'm looking at, um, uh, Open Waters author. I'm trying yeah. to, my screen is ugly right uh, now. Let me back Caleb up. Caleb Azuma Nelson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you got Nathan Harris, uh, The Sweetness of Water, which has definitely received, um, you know, uh, different reviews um, yeah. uh, because of the, the the centering of, of, of uh, because of the choice of centering, right, um, yeah. in the novel. Uh, that, and I, you know, something that I'm looking at this time, like the folks who actually suggest these folks, uh, Ruman Alam, uh, yeah. suggested Dantil, um, mm-hmm. and Brian Washington suggested uh, or selected uh, Lele uh, for Stone Fruit, uh, which I think is interesting. And Britt Bennett, when we're talking about reviews, Britt Bennett and the, the author of The Vanishing Half, uh, which I've got to read in 2022. Uh, but Caleb uh, Azuma Nelson was uh selected by uh Britt Bennett. Yeah. Um, you know, so those I think the nonfiction uh did out of those did one of did some of those uh reach you as well. And then I'll I'll talk about the other genres, I guess. Sure. And and big ups to the five under thirty five. That's also that's kinda like like if you will, like the fifty five, I guess, nominees um in the National Book Award if you count them because you know, there's ten long listers for five categories that I missed, and then they that I mentioned, mm-hmm. and then they do the five hundred thirty-five as well. Um, so big ups to those recipients: uh, Lee Lai, uh, uh, Caleb Azuma Nelson, uh, uh, Nathan Harris, Dantil Moniz, and um, Claire Luchet or, or Luchette, uh, who's the author of Agatha of Little Neon. Um, so as far as nonfiction, man, I mean, I, I I kind of I knew this book would be on there. Actually, I knew two books for sure were going to be on there, and I'm glad to see that they were. Which is "How the Word Is Passed" by Clint Smith, and yes. "A Little Girl in America" by Hanif Muhammad. I still have to mm. read both of those, and I'm very, very excited to read both of those. Um, but I'm also I was very pleased to see this on there. Um, shout outs to once again "A Little Devil in America." Um, very pleased to see. Um, the things uh, she carried by Tia Miles on there. That yeah. um, that is a nonfiction work that a friend of the show and fiction long lister Honoré Jeffers has been uh, championing. And of course, with uh, that's a nice transition into fiction. Um, you know, Honoré Jeffers, another friend of the show, Robert Jones Jr. They were both long listers for fiction. That was very good to see. Um, you know, Honoré, who we'll be reading in January, uh, um, Robert, who we read um, in, in August uh, for their novels, which are The Prophets and The Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois, respectively. Um, but then, you know, it was also nice to see hell of a book up there. There's a book that I, uh, two books that I recently purchased, um, Matrix and Abundance, Matrix by Lauren Groff and Abundance by Jacob uh, uh Guanzan, my apologies if that's wrong. Uh, they were on there as well. So, um, so yeah, man, it, it's it's definitely an interesting prize. It's a loaded. It's a 
extremely loaded year in fiction. So um, the fact that they were even able to narrow it down to these 10, or, or regardless of whatever 10 it was, I think is very impressive considering the type of year that we have in fiction. Yeah, what's gear? What's gear? Um, yeah, uh, that Matrix book, uh, speaking of Letty, uh, Letty's reading that currently, I think, and uh, I was unaware as to, you know, its subject matter, and I said, hey, Letty, what's that book about? Like the real, like the real Matrix, you know, like Keanu Reeves? <laughs> right. Matrix. Uh, and those brothers who supposedly or, you know, supposedly stole the premise from that, that uh, black sister. Um, but uh, I was like, hey, what's that about? And she said, uh, I think nuns and, uh, you know, it's in the medieval time. It's like nuns in medieval times, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, hey, sounds like the Matrix to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's something like that, man. I know it's like 12th century in nuns. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I actually mm-hmm. want to read to as I, you know, as reading starts, as reading has starting to, reading has started to mean something new to me now, um, which you kind of mentioned earlier, just like being more of a wide reader. That's something that I would like to read myself just to kind of get into something that I'm just completely unfamiliar with, right? Um, and Word. one one last thing I want to do here, I had mentioned Tia Miles' book a little earlier. I think I misnamed it, though, but it's called All That She Carried, The Journey of Ashley Fact, A Black Family Keep Safe. That's on the nonfiction long list. And big ups once again to all the nominees across the categories, uh, translated literature, uh, poetry, young people's literature nonfiction and fiction as well as the five under 35 nominees um killing Missouri um that that's all we have listed on our deck is there anything that we missed that we should talk about anything that people should know that's forthcoming um no I I think we I think we hit it all um yeah, just, you know, make sure you're following Books Are Pop Culture. Make sure you're following Reggie Reads. Make sure you're following The Black Man Reading. Um, you know, we always got something moving and grooving, right? Um, in thinking, uh, I like to just put this book out there, man. We're waiting on that next Reggie Reads interview um, with someone, you know. Just wanted to put that out there. Just put it out there, uh, out in the universe. Uh, Will Smith said, uh, once you make a decision, the universe is like water. It wants to get out of your way. Um, and so, you know, I'm just trying to help Reggie wade in the water and hopefully uh, get something out there. Hey, man. I mean, you know, I, I, I had <laughs> kind of fell up on these after shows I was doing. You know, maybe I could get mm-hmm. back to doing that. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, you know, shout out to Mateo Scarport. That was the interview I did earlier in the year. It was a lot of fun. It was dope. Um, but you know, I think, I think that time will come when it needs to come. I know for now, what I will say is I'm having a ton of fun, uh, just being a part of these, these wonderful experiences that we're doing with books of pop culture. Um, you know, we've had some really dope guests there. Um, and as you know, we, we never announce them up front. If you kick it with us on Sundays, 4 PM EST, 3 PM Mississippi. Uh, you never know who may show up. Uh, that's that's the thrill of, of of watching books of pop culture. It's a hostage situation every week because you don't know mm-hmm. what's going. 
Um, so as he was saying, follow us, check the link in the bio because you never know what we have in store. Um, and and um, I just want to make sure there's not anything else I want to mention. He mentioned following a black man reading on Instagram. You make sure to stay tuned um, to this to this interview forthcoming with Tamika Mallory. It has uh, uh, it has been pushed back a couple of times due to uh, external circumstances, but it's going to happen. It's on the way. Stay oh, tuned. Happened. And um, also, uh, you have a giveaway too, right? Um, with with yeah. merch. Yeah, we got some new merch coming. So yeah, stay tuned for that. And happy band books week. Happy band books week. Yes. All right. And uh, for for Killing Azuri, I'm Reggie Bailey. When we come together, we are Books of Pop Culture. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will see y'all soon. Peace, peace.